the people to be good ground that would receive the seed of the word that would bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Lord God, we thank you. You confirm your word with signs following in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this evening we're going to start a new series uh, on uh, kingdom authority. Uh, actually, we're going to call it exercising authority. You can see the slide up there, and no, that is not my bicep. I really wish mine looked a little bit like that. Maybe a little bit bigger forearm than that. Amen. So that's not my bicep. But we're going to be talking about exercising authority. Amen. Now, does everyone have their handouts already for this lesson? Amen. And so we want to talk to you. Authority is one of the things in the Word that, you know, believe it or not, a huge a segment of the church is completely ignorant when it comes to the subject of authority. You know, because some of you may have grew up in denominations, you may have grew up in a church where basically whether it was said this way or not, it was it come across this way, well, you know, we get saved and you ask Jesus to come into your heart, and that's wrong in the first place, right? Because you make Him Lord. He dwells in your heart by faith. Ephesians says He dwells in your heart by faith. But, you know, we're not getting into semantics. If someone, it, the thing is, you say somehow, in some form or another, you say, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my boss, I'm going to live for you, I'm going I'm to oh, serve, serve you, I'm going to do the Word. You get born again. But they've come across with, well, you know, uh, you just can't expect nothing in this life but tribulation and persecution. That's all you got. Well, now, tell us the rest of the story. Give me to Paul Harvey. How many of y'all know the Paul Harvey? You know, Paul Harvey was the old guy said, now you know the rest of the story, right? Give me the rest of the story, because the Bible does say all who will live, uh, will live godly will surf, suffer persecution. huh? But this is the thing. Pastor Earl did a tremendous job Sunday night talking about. Remember we were talking about the benefits of righteousness? Because this is the thing. The godly, you live righteous, and you are going to be persecuted. Oh, you go to the job, and after work, everybody else, you know, after the, after the doors are locked down, man, everybody says, man, let's just crack, you know, crack the lid off a long neck and have a couple together. And you go, no. Sorry, I ain't going to do that. Oh, I'll buy it for you, man. No, 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 we just don't do that. Well, why? Yeah, and it's not, is it because you're going to go to hell if you drink that beer? No, it's because you don't want to compromise your righteousness. Because, because uh, Pastor Earl taught, there are benefits to righteousness. And we understand righteousness means I stay in right alignment with the governing authority. And so when you do that, then you're going to have persecution. Oh, little Mr. Goody Tissues, oh, little Mr. And they're going to have all these names that they're going to throw at you. You're going to be persecuted. And you may even suffer uh, persecution. Here comes, what if it's a superior on the job? Oh, you're going to have a drink with me. Um, I can't do it, sir. Oh, no, you oughtn't. I'm sorry, I can't. Can't do it. And then they begin to tighten it. Okay, you do that. You understand there's persecution, but the thing is, you maintain your righteousness. And this thing, you walk through. You can walk through the fire, man. Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they maintained their righteousness when the king said, no, you're going to bow down. They maintained their righteousness. They, I, I would say being thrown into a furnace heated seven times hotter than it's ever been heated so, so much that it killed the king's strongest men of his army that went to cast him in. I'd say that's some pretty fiery persecution you get thrown into that. But this is the thing. You maintain your righteousness. You might get persecuted, but you'll walk right through the fire, and when you come out of it, you ain't going to have the smell of the smoke on you, right? Because that's one of the, one of the benefits. But you understand that there's a, there is a benefit that, that we talk about authority, and, and and you need to understand that if you have been taught, some people have been taught, and it's one of the subjects. Man, I you know I remember when I went to Bible school, we had a, a class that it was um, had pre, the year before was called submission and authority, but then uh, they changed it. The instructor changed. They changed the name of the course to uh, uh, the uh, the life of honor. 
but it was basically the same subject. And you understand, man, you can get people fired up. Man, when you start talking about taking authority over demons, over the devil, over situations, and you understand this, that speaking to mountains, you know, if we did this, what, five, six weeks ago, we were talking about the mountain relocation project, being able to speak to a mountain. You understand, that's taking authority over something. And so you understand this, is that the subject of, of authority, man, you can get all jacked up about it. And you can shout and you can run. Man, you, it's, it's a shouting subject. Why? You know, I, I remember my pastor in Huntington, Pastor uh, uh, Daryl Huffman, Dr. Huffman, told a story one time about when he was uh, ministering and they, the church was first started and they were meeting down at the Huntington Civic Center and they, this guy got born again and he was just you know, kind of a simple-minded guy. He, he helped set up and break down stuff there. He worked for the Civic Center and uh, said that he got born again. Amen. Pastor Huffman told a story, but I don't know if it's Pastor Huffman. It may have been, he may have been telling a story about someone else. This guy was sitting down and breaking up. Anyway, the guy was preaching and said that this guy, he said all of a sudden while he's preaching, he's talking about you know, how, the, how the devil is the one that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and about the authority of the believer. And, we can get to and then all of a sudden he heard the awfulest racket behind stage and heard somebody cussing and kicking stuff and, and sent one of the ushers back to see what was going on. And it says, later on, you know, after the service, found out it was that guy that hit, and he got born again the, the night or the week previous there. And I said, man, what's wrong with you? And he said, man, he goes, all this time, he said, I thought it was God making those bad things happen to me. He said, when I found out it was the devil, I was just so mad I wanted to cuss him real good. <laughs> and he said, he's back there cussing the devil for all the hardship he put on him. And, found, and God began to get a revelation. I've got authority. Well, you know, you can get fired up. Man, when you realize, man, you can speak to, to circumstances, when you, when you can speak to your finances, when you can speak to the enemy, when you can speak to sickness, when you can speak to things that come against you in life and exercise authority, because you understand when we say exercise, it's one thing to have authority. It's one. How many of you know that if a police officer is standing out in the middle of the intersection and he's just, he's just standing there and letting traffic go by, he's got authority. But it's another thing when he steps out in the lane and he sticks his hand up right in front of your car, and if you're smart, you stop, right? He's exercising authority that he has. When he this you understand, when you go down the interstate, and, you know if you're traveling on the interstate, you know say this posted speed limit 65, and you're running, you know maybe 74, maybe 75, <coughs> and the police officer sees you. How many of you had this happen before? I've I've been you know pushing it a little bit sometimes. And, uh, and and see the police officer and make eye contact with him and he and he'll go make some little motion to let you know you need to slow down. I could get you if I wanted to, but you just need to slow down, right? How many of y'all know he's sitting in that car and he has authority? If he is exercising it, he just turns on the little light machine and turns on his siren and pulls out on the interstate and chases you down and takes some of your money, right? Gives you a little thank you for your donation to the state ticket, right? So we're talking about what one of the, some of the stuff we're going to look at over the course of these of, of the next five weeks is exercising the authority that you have because some of you may not even be aware that you have authority. Some of you might think, okay, I got some, but I really don't know where it's at, or I really don't know how to exercise it because you can have all the authority in the world that that, that, that is available to you that Jesus has made available. But if you don't know how to exercise that authority, it's the same as not having any at all, right? That's why you will live a life that you're just beat from pillar to post by the devil. 
And when circumstances come that are contrary to the word, you don't you don't know how to step up and exercise your authority and take control and take command of the situation. And it's just the same as not having it. So if we're going to learn about a little bit about authority, Amen. And so uh, we want to take a look. <coughs> excuse me, at uh, our two key verses that we're going to look at. Uh, that we're going to, we want to keep these before us, amen? We're going to look at a lot of Scripture, uh, but we want to keep these Scriptures in particular uh, before us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. We may have seen this verse before, right? How many of you know there was a, there was a ministry, I can't even remember the name of it, they used to have a radio, uh, little like a little two-minute radio or a 90-second radio uh, blip that they would put on. they call it Back to Genesis, was the name of it. I think it was actually a creationist uh, creationist radio program. They say, back to Genesis. And we say that so much of our theology, uh, so much of our understanding of what the plan of redemption really is, can be straightened up if we go back to Genesis and we look. And so we want to look at Genesis 1, 20. Uh, I'm going to start with verse 26 and finish with 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the uh, cattle, over, all, over every creeping thing on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then our second scripture we're going to look at is in Matthew chapter 28. Amen. We're looking at the first book of the Old Testament, looking at the first book of the New Testament. Matthew 28, starting with verses 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, there's so much that you know, some of you, that you've been in church for a while, you've heard these passages referred to as the Great Commission, and surely it is the Great Commission. But if you're not careful, all, what's the thing that most people lift out of that? They'll read those whole verses of Scripture and they'll go, Oh, we're to go to all, we're done to go into all the nations. We're to go into all the nations. And some people, they've founded their whole ministry on, We're just going to the nations. We're just going to all the nations. And that's good, and certainly evangelism's good. But they miss, there's a whole lot more than just going to all the nations here. Right? It, the first thing Jesus said is all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Well, he's talking about restoration of authority. Amen? You understand this? That you, if you study the Bible, you read the Bible, you become a student of it, and we've said this before, you realize that the devil, in, uh, was it Mark chapter 4? Is it Mark chapter 4? Uh, that he, Jesus was tempted of the devil. He's led in the wilderness to be tempted. And Satan said, he said, uh, you know, all this authority I'll give to you because it's been surrendered to me. The literal translation says it's been delivered to me, and King James says it's been delivered to me. But it, it, literally, the word meant it had been surrendered to me, right? Because you know that God didn't create the earth and give Satan authority on the earth. Uh, so we see in Genesis one twenty-eight, who did he give the dominion to? You understand, it's dominion and authority are, are synonyms. Amen? That's actually one of the first things on, uh, on your uh, sheet there. Dominion and authority are synonymous. Cause, because God 
gave the dominion. He gave authority on the earth. You, stu- you go back, you study that word dominion, and it, it, it means and it implies you've got authority. I'm giving you authority on the earth, Adam. And you, you, where was it? Matthew chapter 4. Thank you. Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. So uh, you understand this. Just looking on, let's finish this thought on Matthew 28 real quick. Jesus said, I've been given all authority. Go make disciples of all nations and baptize them. And he said, teach them to observe, to, to observe all the things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you all the way to the end of the age. So Jesus is saying, I've got authority. I want you to go. I want you to make disciples, not converts. I want you to teach people to observe the things I command you. And I'm with you all the way. So there's a lot more than just go ye into all the world. But what we want to focus on is looking at this is that in the very beginning, the, and, we, and we call this the original intent. What was God's original intent? Look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2. For that little glimpse, you see God's original intent. He creates man. He puts man on the earth. And he tells Adam, he said, I am giving you dominion. I'm giving you authority on this earth. Yeah, and I'm placing you in the garden, and I want you to keep the garden. I want you to, to, uh, to, to, to cultivate the garden and keep it. And that word keep literally means to, to guard. I am giving you the authorization, Adam. Nothing is to go on in, this, in your domain that you don't permit. You've got authority. I remember uh, Brother, Hagen, uh, Brother Kenneth E. Hagan shared a story one time back uh, during the Vietnam War era in this country that, um, you know, you've heard the old saying. How many of you have ever heard people say, well, you know, God's in control. God's in control. God's in control. And uh, this guy wrote an op-ed piece on the Vietnam War, and he's talking about people saying, well, God's in control. And the guy was obviously an agnostic or an atheist. And he said, you know, little children are dying every day in the war, and such atrocities are being committed, and all the war, all the stuff, the horrible things that's gone in the war. And this is the thing. If, if God is in control, he sure does have the world in a mess. was this op-ed piece. And Brother Hagin was sharing a story, and he said, you know what? He said, the sad, he said, the truth is, God is not in control of this earth. God's, God is, God is, now, I, I'm going to word this careful. God is only in control where he is submitted to. Now, that should be the, church, the whole church. Uh, I think we all know, we've, you've met people in your life that were part of the, of the church that were born again, said Jesus was Lord, but... God wasn't in charge. And that's, not a, and that's not a new thing because we've read, I don't know if you remember this, uh, in uh, Philippians, Philippians 3.17, Paul said, there are those, and he's writing to the church. He's writing to the church, professing believers. He said, there are those I've told you uh, in times past and tell you now again weeping uh, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. He's talking about professing believers because he's writing to the church. He's not talking about people. I say there are people who are uh, enemies of the cross of Christ, and we should understand this, that the cross of Christ does not mean the, the stick, the, the, the tree that Jesus was nailed to, but the cross represented Jesus' assignment on the earth. And how many of you know that as a disciple of Christ, each and every one of us as disciples of Christ, you have an assignment on the earth. Your job is not your assignment. Your job may be the place where God places you to carry out part of your assignment on the earth, but, but your assignment's for the kingdom. Your job, you know what? They, there's not a job on the face of this planet that can pay you what you're worth. There's not a job on this planet that is, is important enough 
outside of, you know, there's not a secular job on the planet that is important important enough to command all of of your attention. To to everything that that God placed in you, you're bigger than your job. Your your job is just where God places you to allow that gift that that He's placed in you to help you carry out your assignment on the earth to come to pass. All right? But you understand this, is that um, you, we, we've been given authority, we've been given a, a, the dominion, and we're to carry that out where we go. We're suppo- you take that with you. But you see, the Lord is supposed to be the Lord overall. Like I said, going back to Philippians, he said, there's some who I'm telling you, they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Um, they're enemies of their, the, of their assignment. He said, whose God is their belly whose theos, whose God is their belly, is what King James says. Now, that doesn't mean they ain't talking about Buddha. Remember Buddha, the little Buddhas rub their belly? Rub Buddha's belly. Remember that? I remember you see that in the Enquirer. My grandmother got the Enquirer all the time when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I looked through it just because I liked to see the pretty girls in the Enquirer. Woo! Amen? But I remember seeing those little advertising pages, and they'd have a little statue of Buddha, and they'd say, rub Buddha's belly for money. I thought, dang, I'm going to get me one of them. I'll, I'll rub a ball spot on that big gut. You ain't talk, We're not talking about that your God, that their God is their literal belly. The, the better translation is their, whose God is their appetite or their appetite for other things. Does this sound familiar? The story of the, of the sower, parable of the sower. The seed that was sown on the wayside, on the stony soil, and among the thorns, and the good ground. And the seed that was sown on uh, the ground with the thorns, it says it sprung up, but then the weeds began to choke it, and it was the, the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things that choked the word and made it unfruitful. Right? So these people are basically seed that was sown among the thorns. And this is the thing. And you understand their own desires can look, can, can look, can be dressed up to look religious. But it's, it's saying that they're, uh, whose end is destruction. Now, I'm not teaching on that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they die and go to hell. They might be saved, right, born again and saved, but that lifestyle opens their life up to destruction. So <coughs> I said all that to say this. We're talking about God being in control, God having authority. God does not, it, you know, God is not in control of the world. God is supposed to be in control of the church. And to be honest, God is only in control of the part of the church that is submitted to his will. Because Pastor Earl said this, and this is another thing Pastor Earl said Sunday night, and I hope you remember because I'm stirring up your remembrance of what we were taught because I don't teach stuff that's just independent. It all ties together. Pastor Earl said, you know, he said he got this on the way up, said that not all churchgoers are people that follow God. Now, everybody who is a God follower will go to church because the Word says don't forsake the assembling of yourself uh, as, as is the matter of somebody even more. get together. In other words, get together with your church family even more as you see the day approaching, what day approaching the day of His return, right? So, but there are people who are just churchgoers that they go to church because that's the religious thing to do. And people who are just churchgoers, they usually don't have ears to hear what the Spirit's saying. They usually don't have ears to hear even what the Word's saying. Or it goes in one ear and it's right out the other. But people who are, who are God followers are going to go to church, but just going to church. And, and the sad thing is there's lots of people in the church that are just church goers. Yes, they're born again. I mean, and this is the thing. And we have, the church has did such a pathetic job of reducing salvation to the lowest common denominator of you don't got to go to hell. 
And the result is, the sad result is, is that we've got a whole, especially in America, we've got a whole generation of believers who are people who are born again that when when they die, they're not going to go to hell, but the life they live on the earth is hell on earth. Because they suffer defeat every time they turn around. They're, took, they're taken in the snares of the devil. They never live up to the full potential of their purpose that God designed for them. And they live an empty, hollow, unfulfilling life, chasing everything that, that they desire, but not accomplishing anything of significance for the kingdom of God and, and inviting destruction upon themselves. Because they're not submitted to God. They're just churchgoers, right? But we need to, we're going to make that shift... We are going to be God followers. We're going to be people that we follow God, that we're not just content just to go through the motions of going to church. We are going to follow God. He is Lord. Amen? And so if we're talking about authority, I want to give you some, some, just some definitions. And tonight we're just really doing an intro uh, to, to the subject of authority. Because you understand this, when you start talking about a subject, one of my favorite instructors at Raymond said, you've got to have a defining of terms. You've got to have a defining of terms so because I say authority and uh, you know, like if I say my parents uh, really did a good, my parents were really uh, strict in authority, okay? Now to me, that means one thing because I didn't grow up in a home where I was abused. Now some people might think I was abused. Because, man, my daddy beat that tail. Glory to God. He, he, he was convinced that beating your hind, if getting a spanking could kill you, I'd be pushing up daisies. Okay? Because my dad broke belts. My mama broke tree limbs. And it was, yeah, there was no uh, beatings spared. Okay? But I don't feel like I was abused, right? Okay. But if you grew up in a home where you were abused, where... You were beat down, where when you were down, you get a little kick every once in a while. You get a little little backhand, a little blood going out the mouth kind of thing going on. And I say authoritative, I'm just thinking my parents were really strict and they'd spank me at the, at the drop of a hat. But I say authoritative to someone who's come out of that paradigm and they're thinking beat down. Okay? So we've got to make sure we all talking the same thing. What is authority? Okay, and this is a thing. Here's another example. Thank you, Lord. When I think of authority, I think of someone who has a right. This, this is one example of authority. Then as, as, a, as a pastor, and I'm saying this as pastoral authority, that I should be able to speak to people um, about, about principles of the Word that has an application to their life that can improve their quality of life and their relationship. And so I, have the, I can speak and that my words have influence. And I can't come grabbing you by your... Come on, man, get with it, dude. Come on. And, you know, I can't shake you. I can't do something for you. I can't pull out a gun and go, Now, man, you're going to do it, bless God. Or I'm what, this is it. You're going to do it. You're going to submit. You're going to meet Jesus. I can't do that. Okay, I'm talking about the authority as a, as a minister of the gospel that I can speak the Word, and when you see, man, that's the Word, and this is the thing, here's the catch, where a lot of people get hung up. Ooh, that means I've got to change. Well, I just, don't know if I, I just don't know if I believe it that way. Well, big deal if you don't believe it that way. Is it the Word? And so I speak the Word, 
And you understand that it's spoken in love, because what is love means I won't do that which is to your benefit, right? And that you hear that and you go, you know what? You know, Pastor Brian's right. That's the word. And, and this is something I, I started sharing with the class that I'm teaching uh, down in St. Augustine. Is this thing, if you don't measure up, don't give up, just step up. If you hear something in the Word that the book of James talks about, you look into the perfect law of liberty, you observe your reflection, and you see, and say, say you see a spiritual deficiency. Here's the wrong response. Oh, man, I just suck. I ain't never going to get it right. I'm 40 years old. I'm 50 years old. I'm 30 years old. My gosh, I, 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 just, I just ain't never going to get right. I might as well just give up. I'm a mess. That's the wrong response. The right response is, if you don't measure up, don't give up, just step up. Right? Because you can't do that. God doesn't ask you to do anything that you can't. I've said this before. Being obedient to God isn't hard. Just wanting to, want to, wanting to be is the hard part. Because, man, your flesh is going to squirm. Huh? Your, unregenerate, your unrenewed mind is going to want to squirm. Because this is the thing. If, God just, if, if the Word just says, love your wife, as Christ loved the church, well, now how hard is that? It's not actually hard to do. It's not actually hard to be kind, to, to give of yourself, to love the wife, to be gentle, to speak kind, to be gentle. That's not hard. But it might be hard to want to, right? Amen. <laughs> Especially if she's not reciprocating it, right? Okay, but back to what I'm saying about authority. So that definition, my concept of authority might be that I, I, get, I have, that I can speak to you and the word of God that I speak to you about circumstances in your life, that it, it carries influence. But now we've all worked with bosses like this, haven't you? That, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of seeing Jimmy Ruby uh, work with people in a team and he's very encouraging and, and he can get people to want to do what he's asking them to do. Because when he's in that position of supervisor, he's just not like, bless God, you're going to do it or I'm going to squeeze you till blood squirts out your eyes. Now, he might feel like that sometimes, and he may have said that on occasion, amen? But I've, I've seen him work a crew of people. I've seen him work with people, and, 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 it, and it's influence and persuasion, right? But now, we've all probably worked with a boss that they come in, their people skills are lousy, they don't half know what they want to do, they don't, know how, they don't have to know what they're supposed to do. But they, bless God, they're going to come in, they're going to crack the whip, and they're going to make sure everybody's walking around all puckered up and walking on their tiptoes, right? And they think that's their idea of authority. And how many of you know that you can speak gently to people and encourage people and exert influence and, 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 be, exert, and be exercising authority, and the other one come in with all bluster and blah, 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 and yuck, 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 and, and just making people angry and, not, and, and making a whole lot of noise but not really exerting any authority whatsoever, right? So if we want to take a look <coughs> exactly what are we talking about when we're talking about authority. Here's just some definitions, okay? Um, authority is uh, the power to enforce... Here's one definition. The power to enforce laws, exact obedience to command, determine, or judge, all right? Um, this is good, and this is something we're going to revisit here in a little bit, this next definition. Power assigned to another or authorization. Um, the power or right to control, judge, or prohibit the actions of others. This is a good one. Such a power or right delegated 
especially from one person to another. Here's another definition of authority. Permission, a right coupled with the power to do an act uh, or order others to act. Often, one person gives another authority to act as an employer to an employee, a principal to an agent, a corporation to its officers, a governmental empowerment to perform certain functions. Okay? So, and, and, and this is, and, you know, Authority can be classic, can be broken down. Uh, it says there are different types of authority, including apparent authority when a principal gives an agent various signs of authority to make others believe he or she has authority. I think I call that, you know, imaginary authority. Have you ever seen that when somebody, they give somebody a title but no really authority behind it? I've been in those situations before in jobs, secular jobs I've, wor- I've worked before, that they give you uh Empty authority, where it's okay. You're in charge, you know, Brian. You're, you know, you're in charge. You're working this this team of people here. You're you're the team leader on this uh, crew. You work these people, and so then they tell you what your expectations are. You try to do it, and then when you try to enforce the responsibility that's been given to you, you ain't got nobody backing you up, and you ain't got no authority to really tell someone, okay, just hit the clock and go home, right? So I call it empty authority. Amen. <laughs> they they're calling it apparent authority. How many of you know apparent authority is not real authority? Amen. Uh, it says there's another authority that's called expressed authority or limited authority, uh, which spell out exactly what authority is granted. Now, this is the thing. This other authority, this apparent authority I was telling you about, I hate that junk. Man, don't give, don't give me that junk because it ain't no real authority. You're just giving me some little title, try to make me feel good, make me feel like I got responsibility to pull all this thing together and make this job hum. But I ain't really got any responsibility. So thanks, but no thanks, because how many of you, if you've ever been in that situation, how many of y'all have ever been in that situation before? Is that not the most frustrating thing you've ever done? Because if you've got a conviction that you're going to do something right, and somebody just gives you this little blah, 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 imaginary authority, you know how good the job looks is going to be a reflection on you, and so you want it to be good, but you ain't got no authority to do it, and it's the most frustrating thing. Yeah, all it is is they're making they're making you to be the fall guy for something, so that they don't get their tail in a ringer when they, when it don't get done. That's the most frustrating thing. But this other one, express authority or limited authority. Now that's a good thing to walk in because understand this: it says it's authority which is spelled out exactly what authority is granted. And I like this in this definition. Usually a written set of instructions. Amen. How many of you know? That God has given us written instructions that clearly detail. Amen. This is one. This is one of the things. Your your third thing on the sheet. Expressed authority or limited authority is usually given a written set of instructions. Amen. Now understand this. The second thing on your sheet. The word authority itself indicates that it has been given from one of higher rank to someone of lower rank. When we talk about uh, authorizations being granted, or you have been authorized to, to do something, um, you are a manager of a restaurant, you are a, a, a crew leader, whatever position. How many usually, when you get given that, that uh, when you are given legitimate authority, Usually a plant manager, you know, I, I worked in manufacturing and sales, uh, 
but there was a plant manager, and just about everybody else under him, they, you know, he was at the top. Everybody else operated. If if he was the plant manager that was there, this was the thing. Actually, the the the, the facility that I worked at, I worked uh, for Pepsi Cola for about eight years. The facility that I worked at in West Virginia was the regional headquarters for Pepsi in the in that in, in the uh, the Atlantic Mid Atlantic region, and so. Uh, our regional uh, guy had an office right there in Nitro, West Virginia. And so everybody, even the plant manager had to hop to to him, right? But you had the the regional uh, manager, and then you had the plant manager. And he ma- and you had this, the plant, you had the facility sales manager. And they were, those two were equals, really, but one, their authority was, one's authority was over everything that had to do with manufacturing, and the other had everything to do over sales, right? But you understand that, they delegated that authority. And if there was something they want, and, and, and so many times I know, um, you know, junk rolls downhill, right? That if somebody had some response, if they had some responsibility, usually they didn't want, they end up, they come and they give you the authority over stuff. But that, ain't you glad God don't do that? The authority that God gives you, it's to your benefit. It's, he's not shucking off anything on you that he doesn't want you to have, that he doesn't want to have responsibility for. But what I'm saying is, is that authority... It always flows. The reason that the regional director uh, there at that plant was there and had authority to tell anybody doing anything is because someone higher up in Summers, uh, New York, where Pepsi Cola is corp- uh, corporate headquarters, that world corporate headquarters, that assigned him that job and said, "I'm giving you authority over this region." And then that man, in turn, he turns around and he says to the different plant, he assigns plant managers and sales managers within his region. He's the one that hires, fires, and gives you authority to exercise. You, okay, you've got authority over this. You, you're going to manage this. You're going to be the steward over it. If you, who you say is hired is hired. Who you say is fired is fired. It's yours. But you're going to be responsible. I'm giving you the authority to manage that and take care of it. So the th- so the, in your seat, is, is what we're, the point is, is that authority is something that's always delegated. It's given from someone of a higher rank to someone of a lower rank uh, to give them to give them the right to use power. This is I, hopefully I don't get ahead of myself. You understand this? There is a difference between authority and power. Okay. Help me, Lord. How do I need to? When do I need to talk about this? Okay. Understand this. Let's let's read this. Authority involves the use of power that is greater than the individual exercising it. The power belongs to another person of higher rank or position. But the right to use the, the power is delegated by the person of higher rank to the person of lower rank to accomplish assignments and tasks that are essential to carrying out the will of the person of higher rank. Amen? And so you understand this, is that it's always delegated. And, and I understand we could talk about abuse of power, we could talk about abuse of authority, but you understand this, uh, Jimmy Ruby... You are a manager of the Red Lobster uh, restaurant uh, here in Valdosta, Georgia, okay? And so this is what they've done. They have told Jimmy, Jimmy, you run the store. You're the man. You run it. And you've got say-so over all this. Well, now, don't you know that um, if Jimmy started abusing his power, right, if he, if, he, if he was to start to begin to abuse that authority that had been entrusted to him, 
Well, then there'd be some that that. Let me go this way. When they gave him that authority, who was it that hired? Was it was it the district person, district manager hires Jimmy. The district manager hires Jimmy and says, "I'm giving you the authority over this store to run it, to manage it, and to exercise authority in it." And the reason I'm doing that is because I think you're a competent manager. I think you have skills. And what what are they in business for? To make people happy and just sell good seafood? To make money, right? So this is the thing. You understand, the only reason that Red Lobster Corporation has given Jimmy Ruby authority over that store is because their interest is to be furthered and their interest is to make money. So, anything that he would use that authority for that, uh, that is working to any other goal than making money for that store, it's not a legitimate use of your authority, is it? Because they give you that authority specifically to further their interests. Now, this is going to be good. This is, we're going to get a hold of this later on. We're going to talk about it. Because this is the thing. Do we have authority as believers? And you understand this. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say this. The difference between authority and power is that power, and I think this is actually on the sheet, power refers to ability. And authority refers to the right to use power. Okay? Power refers to ability to do something. Authority refers to the right to use it. Okay, I want to get. Maybe you're still there in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus says, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth." Okay, um, if memory serves me right, this word authority is actually the Greek word exousia, and that word it literally means authority. It means the the right to use power. Okay. Turn, in, turn over to Acts chapter uh, 1 real quick. Because I'm going to tell you this. God gives us both authority and power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Anybody familiar with this? You might have this highlighted. Jesus says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This word power is the Greek word dunamis. And it means supernatural, miraculous ability. Okay? So when we're talking about authority, we're talking about the right to use the power. And remember, power is ability to do something. Dunamis is miraculous power that enables you. So when we're talking about the authority of the believer, we are talking about that God authorizes you and gives you the right to use the ability that he made available to us as believers. Now, a lot of people, they, 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 want, to get the, they want to get the authority, but they never get the power. You've got to have both, right? But you understand this, that, that we are, that God, and this is the thing, we're talking about, we're talking about the authorization being given the right to use the power of, or the ability to do something miraculous that God has given us. Right? We're talking about doing that. Um, and so going back to the example I used of, of Red Lobster and Jimmy, is 
if they hired him and they authorized him, and this thing, I guarantee you, and he may have had to done it already. Have you had to fire someone since you've been there, Jimmy? You had to, and had to hire someone, right? Okay. He has been authorized. He was given the authority to exercise the power to dismiss someone from their job and the power to hire someone in and place them in a job. Now, you understand the act of firing and the act of hiring represents power because he's got the ability to do that. But the only reason he has the ability to do that is because he was given the authority, the right to use that power. How would it be if, if you know, I remember when I worked for Pepsi, if I walked up to somebody that worked in the shop that I worked at, I said, you know what, uh, you know, you're just dragging your tail, you're fired. Man, there's a bunch of them I wanted to, man. Glory to God, you swap out, you know, you go and you swap out a thousand pound piece of equipment because somebody doesn't want to get down on their knees and pull a compressor out and just replace a compressor. They think it's easier on them to have two guys go in and lug out a thousand pound piece of equipment because they don't want to get their knees dirty. <laughs> you know, I wanted to fire some of them. But you understand, I didn't have the authority to fire them. Man, if I did, I'd have cleaned house. Glory to God. I said, I know a hundred other people standing in line for your job. But you understand this, that I couldn't fire someone. But if they got pulled in on the carpet, and the man that sat behind the desk, the chewed red man, called him in the office to talk to him, they, they had a little more uh, concern because he was authorized to fire the person. He had a right to use the power to get rid of someone. And so what we're talking about is, is, is if we are talking about authority, we are having the right to use God's power. And so understand this, is that God, there is power made available to us. It's the power of the, it's the, power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Acts 1-8, you're going to receive power. And remember, please keep the word separated, authority and power. The, the, the power is dunamis. It's miraculous power. It's literally what it means, miraculous power. Is it miraculous to speak to sickness in, the body, in your body or in your child's body and see the sickness go see the, and know that it has to go? Is, is it miraculous power that uh, when, that when the, the devil is coming against you that you can speak to him, you can submit to God, resist the devil, and he's going to run from you as in fear? Terrified. That word flee means to run away from as in terror. Is that miraculous? Is it miraculous to be able to do it? Yes, it is. And that's power. But this is the thing. The only time that we have the right to walk in that power is when we are in submission to God. Because, you, because this is one of these key parts of authority we're going to look at. Here, uh, let me read this. Is that this. Authority is the delegated use of power that always... You can write that in capital letters. Authority is the delegated use of power that always has conditions attached to its appropriate use. Amen. This is on your sheet. Authority always comes with conditions of use attached to it. Failure to abide by these results in the loss of authority. Now this is the thing. Because we live in a fallen world, we've all been in these situations before where we have seen people abuse power. Have we not? Have we not? If, there, if you're in here and you've ever worked a job where you've never seen anybody abuse their power, man, you've lived a sheltered life, you've done good. But I, I would wager probably every one of us in here, we have worked a job where someone was in a position of authority 
and they used, and they abused their authority and this and they didn't get caught, did they? And it, man, it didn't make it didn't make you feel good, didn't make you happy. Oh man, they just you know they just cheating and they not playing by the rules, but they getting by with it. That makes me happy. That don't make me happy, man. It frustrates me. My dude, they need to can you. You're incompetent. You're abusing your authority. But this is the thing. The reason I'm saying this is because sometimes we get in the mindset of thinking that we can not be submitted to the conditions of the authority that we're given as believers and that God's going to deal with us the way men deal with other men and that we might get by with it. But it's not the case. It's not the case at all. Right? Um, This is getting back to the benefits of righteousness. Okay? You work a job and say say you're the supervisor of it, um, and you and you take advantage of your situation and you abuse that authority and you exceed the conditions that were placed on that authority and you get by with it, well then if we're not careful, we slip into thinking that we can do the same thing with God. And this is where a lot of believers are at. Some of them it's because of ignorance. We, they just don't know. They haven't been taught. They don't know, right? You don't know, you just don't know. Ignorance and faith are impossible roommates. You cannot have faith for something that you're that you're unaware of, right? But then you got some people that they know they are, and it happens so many times when you see people coming into word of faith, charismatic, you know, whatever, whatever flavor of church you want to call it, where we play, where we do teach and emphasize the fact that the word says you can have what you say, you can speak to things and have it go. This is the thing that we get people who they they. They violate the conditions of the authority that's been granted to them, either out of ignorance or willfully and knowingly. They violate those conditions. And then, here comes the mountain. Remember, a mountain is anything that raises itself up against you, right? And anything that raises itself up as an obstacle to you in life. We got that out of that mountain relocation. And people go, in the name of Jesus... And you speak the word, whatever the word is to it, because because we know we go speak the word, right? We speak the word to it, and it don't budge. Now, I got to give this waiver because you understand the Bible says through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God, and, so, and sometimes you ain't making instant pudding. You ain't making instant. God ain't making no instant mashed potatoes either, right? Sometimes you got to you you dig your feet in. You do a heart check. You go. You know what? I know I'm in righteousness. I'm in right standing with the governing authority. My heart, you know, my heart's not condemning me. There's nothing in the word. I am doing 100% right. I'm standing on God's word. And bless God, I know the word says I have authority because remember this that uh, what was that word? The uh, express, limited or expressed authority is usually outlined in a written in written words. You've got your express authority that's given to you. You know the word. I'm going to dig in, I'm going to speak to it, and nothing happens immediately. But you go, but you say, that's it, I know I got it. Remember the story of Jesus speaking to the fig tree? He walked past it, he went over, he looked at it, oh, where's the fig? oh there ain't no figs on it. He goes, no man eat fruit of you from this day forward. Well, the tree's still standing there. Tree's there, little green leaves on it. Jesus just goes on. Notice Jesus didn't go, now wait a minute, I said... In my name, no one... No, he didn't say that. Jesus just said it and he walked on. 
right? Then the next day they come back by and the disciples go, whoa, dude, there's that tree that Jesus spoke to and cursed and it's dead. It was the next day. It didn't happen right before Jesus died. I'm saying all this to say that there will be, a, don't, don't think sometimes that, that you, when you speak to something just because you don't see an instant manifestation that it didn't work, right? You, it, you just do a heart check. You know you're in right standing. You know you're standing on the word. Speak to it and just go right along and believe God that, you, that you're operating in the authority that he's given you over that thing. But now here's the other thing is, the other scenario is that because we have violated the conditions of use attached to the authority given to us, that too many believers, and, and this is really, it, it's people more along the lines of the, what, we, what you would call charismatic persuasion than others, because a lot, let's just be real honest. When I grew up in the denominational church I grew up in, they sure didn't teach me a whole lot about nothing about speaking the word to anything. Okay? That's something that's really, really, you know, uh, kind of unique to people of a charismatic persuasion of, of, speak, of speaking the word. I'm going to speak to it. I'm going to stand against it, right? Well, then we've got these people that they have violated the conditions of use attached to the authority. Oh man! Anybody want to take care? Want to take a stab at what that is? What that's called? If you abide within the conditions attached to the use of authority, what's that called? Righteousness. I'll say that again so it gets on the tape, the CD, real good. It's called righteousness. Abiding by the conditions attached to the authority given to you is called righteousness. It is, is basically it is righteousness. You're staying in proper alignment. So you have people who violate the conditions of their righteousness. And you understand this. You can be righteous. You have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, right? The Bible says that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Positionally, you are the righteousness of God. Jesus is your Lord. Your sins have been washed in the blood. You are set in a position of righteousness, right? But then John's gospel turns right around and says, uh, Brothers, you know, if any man sins, if we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like to put it to you this way. Imagine yourself that when you become born again, that the, the, there was a lady in the church I grew up in, she used to sing a song, Two Coats Were Before Me and Older Than New. I could have either, but what must I do? Right? And it was talking about self, the, the filthy rags of, of human righteousness, of the, of the works of human righteousness, and the righteousness that Jesus says, I want to clothe you with. And so when you get born again, you make Jesus Lord. It's just like he puts this robe of, of righteousness, pristine, clean, righteousness on you. Man, it's a funny story I could tell you. How many of you ever see these, these guys, that they wear their, what they call their navy whites? You ever seen a sailor in his navy whites? I had a friend in high school that uh, his dad was telling me a story that he was wearing these navy whites. You know, those things, they got to be gleaming white. I mean, it's a disgrace if you wear them out and they're not like, boom, just like glowing almost. And he was, uh, he was in Japan and uh, he went to a zoo and he's in his navy whites, walking around, feeling good in that uniform. And so he walked up to the orangutan cage. Orangutan slung a handful of uh, excrement through the, through the bars. He said it ruined the, that uniform. Could not get the stains out. Had to, throw, had to get a hold of the uniform. Okay? 
So let's just say this is you that were clothed in this righteousness, this clean, white righteousness that God clothes us with, and you get orangutan excrement on your righteousness. Okay? Well, guess what? That happens whenever we don't abide by the conditions of the authority that God has had. God says, I'm going to allow you to operate in this authority. Here's the condition. And what's the condition? You keep my commandments. Because what did Jesus say? If you love me, you keep my commandments. That's, that is the only indicator to God that you love him. Not that you have emo- that you have a tender emotion toward him, but that you keep his commandments. Right? I'm going to give you an example of this. Say, now, Pastor Brian, that sounds kind of funny, right? Okay, I'm not going to belabor you with the Scripture because I want to uh, get finished up here. Okay, when you violate the conditions, uh, when you violate the conditions attached to the authority, let's go back to the story, let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. God creates man, God puts Adam in the garden, God says, Adam, I'm giving you dominion or I'm giving you authority over the whole earth, right? book of Psalms talks about how God gave man, uh, de- uh, gave man dominion over all the works of his hands, Right? And so, and here's the condition attached to this authority, right? He says, just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the condition. You keep my word. Don't touch that. Don't, don't eat it. Don't eat that fruit. Here goes Eve. She goes over, yada, yada, yada. Serpent starts talking to her. She starts talking to him. What are you doing talking to the devil anyway? And why do you think it's not weird that a serpent is talking to you? I don't know. Talks to me. I'm like, ah! talking serpent i'm out of here yeah i'm freaking out right she talks to him he talks to her she tastes his fruit hey it's pretty good and i'm still alive then her husband comes along hey you know here's fruit and he eats it guess what then god shows up where you at adam where are you at because guess what god would come down to cool today and he'd talk to man right i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you some stuff real quick um so Adam violates the condition that the authority has been given to him. He, he was given the dominion to rule over the earth, over all the works of God's hands. Now remember Matthew and Luke chapter 4 when Jesus was led out into the, the wilderness and tempted, and Satan tempted him with all the kingdoms of the world. And he said all this authority has been uh, delivered, remember King James Version says delivered, you look that word up, it literally means surrendered. The authority over all the kingdoms of the world had been surrendered to Satan. Well, guess what happened? When Adam uh, decided to listen to the, to the devil, he violated his conditions of authority that he had been given on the earth, and guess what? He lost his authority. He lost his authority. I've noticed this real quick. Authority in God's original purpose. Genesis one twenty eight. God gave man dominion or authority over the earth. Genesis chapter, you can write this down. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. God set the conditions on the authority. In other words, remember we, we mentioned um, expressed or limited authority. There's usually, it's the, the boundaries of the, the conditions of the authority are clearly expressed god clearly expresses to adam he said you must obey my commandments don't eat the fruit right you understand this is that in genesis three seventeen through 19 god pronounces judgment on adam for his disobedience man has fallen from dominion or his position of authority on the earth at that moment adam 
his, he violated the condition of his authority, and the authority switched. Okay? This is just something I wrote down real quick just to give you a little uh, something to think about. Consequences of the fall. Adam and Eve create, and this is all in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Adam and Eve attempt to create a means by which they can cover their sins. This is the origin of all religions on the earth. Starts right there. That's where religion starts. Adam and Eve trying to come up with some other way to cover their sin. That's the origin of all religion right there. Amen? Genesis 3, 8 through 12, Adam is seized by a spirit of fear and he tries to hide from God. The Bible says in Hebrews 2, 15 that fear brings bondage. Okay, and all this, all this stuff I'm talking to you about is something that directly resulted because Adam violated the conditions of his authority that God gave him. Okay? Next thing is, um, Adam begins to make excuses for his disobedience. Chapter 3 of Genesis 3.13. Um, amen. All you ladies are going to go, hey, that, that's good preaching right here, Pastor. <coughs> um, man is given rule over the woman. Notice, gentlemen uh, and ladies, this is part of the curse of the fall. How many of you are, ladies are so glad that we have been redeemed from the curse? Right? Now you notice this. Because, because that's not New Testament. The Bible teaches in the New Testament that the wives are to be submitted to their husbands, but it says, but it says be, when it's talking to husbands and wives, it says be submitted to one another. Right? In other words, the husband's not a dictator. Now you understand there has to be a head of the home, but that the husbands and wives are submitted. This stuff of, you're under, I, I'm ruling over you, woman, I'm ruling over I thought we were born again and under the new covenant because that's part of the curse of the fall. Right? Amen. That's good preaching. Praise God. I'm glad Cindy's enjoying that anyway. Praise the Lord. Understand this. The ground was cursed and Adam's labor became hard. Death was released into the earth and the dominion and authority that Adam originally had was lost because of an act of disobedience or insubordination resulting in him becoming unrighteous and losing his position of rule. So this is what I want you to see and we're going to end with this is that that authority that you have been given. God Almighty on the throne has given us authority as believers. Authority is simply the legal right to use His power on circumstances in our life that brings forth His will and His purpose on the earth. Because where we have we heard this before? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So God, that's the reason God gave us that authority, right? Okay? And that, that authority came with conditions to its use. You have to operate it within these parameters. And that any time we step outside those parameters, when you violate the conditions of the use of the authority, that's called unrighteousness. And when we step over into unrighteousness, just like Adam did, we lose our right to, to operate in authority. Now this is the thing. Jesus does not have to come and die on the cross all over again because we know the Word does say that if we confess our sin, if we repent, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, and it puts you right back in that position of authority to where if you, if you, this is the thing, if you find yourself speaking to things and you're, and you've got faith and patience, and it does turn out that there's some unrighteousness. That's why when you know, when we do do communion, that we tell people take that as the opportunity for self-examination. Because you understand that's probably more important than just eating a little wafer and drinking a little shot of grape juice. It's taking that time for self-examination to say, 
okay, is there some unrighteousness in my life? Because if there's unrighteousness there, then it's going to void my authority and I'm going to be speaking to things and stuff ain't going to be happening. But is there something that I need to do? And this is the thing. If you don't measure up, don't give up, step up, right? Go repent, confess your sin to Jesus. He'll cleanse you. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You get placed right back in that position of authority where you're able to just start operating in it again and speaking to stuff. And it's going to change, right? Amen? So just a couple of questions real quick. Amen? We've got these on our, our paper here. Um, what are some of the non-spiritual areas uh, in life where people operate in authority? Policemen. Servicemen in the military, that's a big one, big one. You know, we already mentioned, you know, business world, whether it's restaurant or retail sales or whatever it might be. People, this is the thing, and the reason I'm asking this question is, um, if, we under, if we have a better understanding of authority in the natural sometimes than what we do in the spiritual, if we can operate... In authority, if we can operate righteously, this is the thing. Um, if I can get me, I'm just going to use myself for example because I don't want to use anybody else. But if I'm working a secular job and I can make myself walk in righteousness toward my superiors and I can make myself do that in that arena to where I can maintain right standing with my employer and I don't lose any of my authority and the privilege that comes with that authority, if I can train myself to do that in the natural, I can train myself to do that in the spirit, and that way I'll bat, I'll bat 100. I, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be batting 1,000 uh, over in the spirit because if I can train myself to do it in the natural, I can take that training, I can bring it right back over the spirit. I say, wait a minute, you know what? I don't have a problem. If you're in the military... I don't have a problem. You know, I had some buddies from high school that went into the military, one in particular that had a problem with his DI, and after about the third time of his drill instructor beating the stew out of him, he got a dishonorable discharge from the military because he would not submit to authority. But most people, if you're smart, you don't have to have your drill instructor beat you up. Or if he does it once, that's usually enough, right? So if you can go into the military, if you can go into the job and your boss say, I want you to do this, this, and this, and you say, you know what, if I, do, if I, if I know what's right, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to cover my backside, and that way I stay in good standing. I don't get no hot water, and I maintain my position of authority and privilege. If I can train myself to do that in the natural, if I will bring it right over into the Spirit and take the, 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 unseen, things of, the unseen things of the Spirit, because if we know this, that the unseen is more real than the seen because the seen things are temporary, but the unseen things are eternal. If I bring that back over into it and I say, you know what, if I can train myself to do it in that situation, I can bring it right here and bless God. I can stay submitted to God. I can maintain my righteousness. And I don't have to lose any of the privilege or any of the authority that's been given to me by God. Amen? So that's the reason I asked that question, okay? Um, is there a structure and protocol for operating in these systems of authority in the world, the ones out in the world? Is there, is there, a, is there, a, uh, is there a structure or a protocol for operating in them? Do, that's right. You respect authority. How many of you have ever been in a situation where, um, you know, I know I made the mistake before, and it was an innocent mistake because I, I knew this, but at the time before when I went to uh, someone, when I worked for Pepsi, went to an upline manager with a problem, and he's like, would you talk about this with your immediate supervisor? And I said, 
Well, no, not really. I just happened to see you in the office, and I was thinking, and, and he's like, no, you respect the chain of command. Don't you be bringing that to me, right? Because people are all get all <laughs> people get all huffy on you real quick, right? And understandably so, right? Because going back to, to Jimmy again, and I hope you don't mind me using it for example, just because I know you're in a position of management. Jimmy, what if what if he's the manager on shift of, of, of the shift that's going on, and somebody comes in, and they don't, and something's going on that needs to be addressed, and they don't go to him, they just go to his supervisor. Well, guess what? Jimmy's like, uh, wait a minute, you guys respect the chain of command. I'm the manager on duty. You don't go to the owner with the problem. He, that's what he he pays me to take care of his problems. Crunch, right? So, and so my point of asking this question is, if there, are, uh, if there are structures and protocols in the world and in those secular environments that we have to operate within and we can do it there, why does it seem like when people come into the church that they have such a hard time acclimating to the protocols and structures in the church? That's just one of those things to think about, amen. Anybody got any ideas? Any ideas? You got something, Rosalie? Why this are? Amen. So it's just and, and and you know, these aren't gotcha questions, these are questions just to provoke thought because a lot of times if we'll just give things consideration, um they manifest, right? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Amen. We're gonna uh, pray, we're gonna